Thank you, Brother Bickley. Praise the Lord, everybody. Hallelujah. Why don't we just lift our hands one more time and give the Lord some praise and worship that He so greatly deserves. We honor you today. We honor you today, God. You're so good. We lift you up. We magnify the name that is above every name. Thank you for the privilege today of knowing that name. Not just in our heads, but by experience in our hearts. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Great to be with you this morning. Be able to worship together with you. Give honor to Brother Joel and Sister Kate this morning for the job they do here in Arnold. Praise God. Amen. Second Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. I don't think this really has anything to do with what I'm about to preach, but it's kind of been on my mind all morning. So, I need thee, oh, I need thee, every hour I need thee. My Savior, I come to Thee. I need Thee, oh, I need Thee. Bless me 
now, my Savior, I come to Thee. Let's sing it one more time. Oh, I need Thee. Oh, I need Thee. Every hour I need Thee. Oh, bless me now, my today, Father. We need you today, Lord. Without you, we can do nothing. Without you, we can do nothing, Lord. We need you today. We need you today. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse number 6. 2 Timothy 4, verse 6. Paul says, for I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I've fought a good fight, finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not me only, but unto all them so that love his appearing. Do thy diligence. Paul is addressing Timothy here. Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me. Here's Paul's reason why. For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world and is departed unto Thessalonica Crescens to Galatia, Titus unto Dalmatia. I'll draw your attention primarily to the first half of verse 10. Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. Father, thank you for your awesome presence we feel in this place today. Thank you for this privilege this morning of being in your presence. We haven't simply just gone to church today, but we've come to fellowship with you. We're not here this morning to just be a part of religion, but we're here because of a relationship with you. You have manifested your presence in confirmation of that, and I thank you for that. And now I pray, God, that your spirit would speak to us today. God, I do not want to simply preach a sermon this morning. I desire to be a messenger to deliver a word from you. I trust you this morning for your anointing. Depend upon you today, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. As I said, I want to draw your attention to verse 10, but it's kind of hard to pass up, at least for a moment, verse 6. 
how challenging I find it that Paul says, I'm now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. Most people, most of us, do everything we can to fight tooth and nail to preserve this life. If I die, try to resuscitate me. If I have a heart attack, try to bring me back. Paul said, I am aware that my departure is at hand and and I'm ready. I also find it interesting Paul was aware that the time of his departure was at hand. He was not caught off guard. It wasn't something that took him suddenly. He understood that it was that time. And then he says, verse 7, I fought a good fight. I've finished my course. I have kept the faith. I think that last phrase, and while all of it is significant, I find that last phrase to be very significant and challenging that Paul says, after all that I've been through, after everything I've faced, I have kept the faith. You see, it's one thing to have faith in God in your, in your infancy of your walk with God. At the time in which you believe God can do anything. At the moment in which you are confident there's nothing too hard for God. But the problem is, as time goes on, you find out God does not do everything God can do. And so then the challenge is, can I keep the faith when God doesn't answer my prayers the way I pray them? When I go through adversity and tragedy and sorrow and difficulties, can I still believe that He is able? Can I still do like the three Hebrew children did and said, Our God can deliver us from this fire, but if He doesn't, we're still not going to bow. And if He does not deliver us, it's not going to change our faith. Because whether God does it or not, He can do it. So Paul says, I've fought a good fight. I've finished my course. And after all of that, I still have faith. I still have faith that with God, all things are possible. I still have faith that God can do exceeding abundantly above all that we could ask or think. I've been around long enough to watch wicked live long and righteous die young. I've seen folks that I wish God would have taken that He let live, and then there's some I wanted to hang on to that God decided to take. It's kind of hard to rationalize that in the human mind, but after all that, I still have to believe He's a good God, He's a faithful God, and that everything God is doing, it all works together for good according to His purpose for my life. Paul went through some stuff. So for Paul to say, I've kept the faith, that's an accomplishment. Some have been through a lot less and given up their faith for a lot less than what Paul did. And he tells Timothy, I still have my faith. And skipping down to verse number 10, he's requesting Timothy's presence because several have departed. But he points out that Demas has 
departed because he has loved this present world. If I understand correctly from my personal study, Demas was actually imprisoned with Paul at one point. So it wasn't as though Demas was just a newcomer that didn't last. It, it wasn't that he had just, you know, showed up for a church service or two and, 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 and then moved on. He had been around for a little while, but Paul says he has now reached a place that he loves this present world. You study it, it's, it's not necessarily saying the riches and the wealth and all of that, but more so he, he loves the, this present world over, over pursuing the world that is to come or over risking his life for the world that is to come. And so Paul says he's chosen to go back. He's chosen to depart. He's not willing to, to, to endure with me anymore some of the challenges and the hardships. The message Bible says in verse 10, Demas chasing fads went off to Thessalonica and left me here. New Living Translation says, Demas has deserted me because he loves the things of this life and has gone to Thessalonica. He's, he's, he's taken his eyes off of what's to come and he's put his eyes on what's here. The Bible says that we, the church, is supposed to be salt. Unfortunately, some people, I think, have misunderstood what Scripture says and they think God is simply supposed to be salt. I am, I know some of you will disapprove of this and probably would like to stop me afterwards and warn, warn me of the reasons why I should not do this, but I am a cookie dough and a cake batter fan. My brother and my dad are Nestle Toll House fans. I am a Pillsbury fan. It's kind of hard to beat Pillsbury cookies fresh, warm, out of the oven. And it's also really hard when you know there's cookie dough in the fridge to walk by. I'm trying to decide. I think, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking maybe there's less calories in the raw dough than it is the cook. <laughs> the good thing also about, you know, a, a, a a lump or two of cookie dough every now and then, you, you're not sure exactly if it's a whole cookie or not. So, I, I am, I, I, you know, my wife, it, it's, I said to the young marrieds last night at our fellowship, it scares me how well my wife knows me. It's a good thing, but it also scares me. It, it's kind of funny to me how everybody that knows me knows I'm quiet, and yet she knows when I'm not just quiet, but there's actually something wrong. What do you mean? I'm, I'm quiet. I'm always... No. And, and, and the, one, the one kind of pet peeve I have with her, I, 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 she's probably watching right now, so hopefully... She will get this. The one pet peeve I have is the fact that she still forgets and, and washes out the batter bowl before I get to it. I, I, I actually, one time when I was a teenager, I actually got my mother to make me a bowl of batter. 
not to cook. I just, I, what I found out real quick was, as much as I think I like cake batter, the leftover batter in the bowl is just enough. The, 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 the mixing things, whatever you call them, off the mixer, that's, that in the bowl is just right. A whole bowl of batter is, we'll acknowledge it's too much. See, the problem is some of us want Jesus like that. We want him in just enough doses. But, but he's not intended to be the salt to your life. He's not intended just to add a little bit of flavor. He's not intended to be just the, 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 the clump of cookie dough you bite off every now and then when you want it. He said, I have come that you might have life. I've, I've come not to just be a part or, 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 or enhance or flavor your life. I've come to be life and I've come to challenge whether you're a full faithful member or a guest this morning. I've come to challenge you today to somehow make up your mind that you will not let yourself do like Demas did and get your eyes on this present world and give up Jesus and the eternal. Get your eyes on this temporal that passes away. The Apostle Paul said it like this. He said, our light affliction, our light affliction, which is just for a moment, and, and I find it extremely interesting that Paul says light affliction because again, if anybody had had some, some challenges and some difficulties and had gone through some stuff, the apostle Paul went through some stuff and yet he labeled it all as light affliction. And he said it's just for a moment. But what it is doing is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. If you don't somehow make peace with the fact that what God is doing in your life is first and foremost about eternity, there will come a point in time where you are not happy with what He's doing in your life. Because I've come to tell you this morning, His first and foremost concern is not making this life comfortable and convenient and wonderful but everything he's doing is working for you a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory Paul said we look not at the things which are seen but the things which are not seen because the things which are seen are temporal they're temporary and the things which are not seen are eternal I've been blessed, very blessed in one sense. There's a lot more important blessings I've had in my life. But I've been blessed to have a, have several new cars in my life. And, and, and I'm one of those people that keeps my car clean. I wash it just about every week. I like a clean car. I like a clean ride. And, 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 but, but I, I, you know what? That, brother Whaley, that first couple of weeks, and I've been driving, large size whatever suv for years now and 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 so that first couple of weeks if i got a project going on at home i'm not going to home depot and putting a bunch of lumber and stuff in the back of that brand new suv that's not happening <laughs> that first couple of weeks we don't we don't want no sodas we don't want nothing with sugar in the car except my coffee other than that 
But you know what? Is uh, uh, there's something, and maybe you're different. Maybe maybe you're not like this. But I got a feeling there's a few others that can relate. It doesn't take but a couple of weeks. I still keep it clean, but let's. I, I need a couple of sheets of plywood. I'll just throw those back seats down and go get it because it's temporal. Fades. How. How empty life is, and 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 I, I don't know what's going. I, well, I, I do. It hasn't. They haven't started yet today. But today, I think, is the fourth golf major of the year. And uh, there's a young man who is 21, I think he is, or 22. His name is Jordan Spieth. He's just won the Masters, and and he's in contention today for the fourth major. There's golf tournaments that take place all year long, but there's four majors and. And, and to really be a great golfer, to be a considered among the best, you got to win some majors. And 21 years old, and he's already done that. And he's he's in second place for t- today for the PGA Championship, and 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 therefore he's got a good chance, or he's at least in contention to win today. And 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 that's exciting, and that's neat. But but it's also sad when you think at 21, you've already accomplished some of the greatest goals and dreams i i i play golf and 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 even at 43 i still every now and then let the imagination go and what it would be like as as somebody that enjoys uh golf and likes golf to 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 play and win and but but what do you do when you've when you've reached the pinnacle One of the things that is so wonderful to me about not only just a relationship with God, but also about being involved in ministry and in the kingdom of God is there is always more. You know what's awesome in the kingdom of God? You don't ever have to retire. Listening how, not that it wouldn't, they probably wouldn't be, they wouldn't be mad at me because they love me too much, but I won't call their names anyway. I was listening to a couple people the other day talking about retiring. And what was, what was interesting to me, one of them is about working on retiring from their job, but they're not going to stop doing something. Cause there's something inside of us that we need to do something. When you don't have something to do, you, 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 it, it, you don't have something to live for. That's a challenging thing. Can I tell you today, whatever level you are in your walk with God and whatever it is God has you involved in ministry-wise, there is always more. There's always deeper you can go and there's always higher that you can go because we're not living for what is seen and what is temporal, but for what is unseen and what lasts forever. How sad it was that Demas at one point was exposed to what was available and was involved but chose to give that up. Luke chapter 17 verse number 26. Scripture says this, Jesus speaking here says, As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all likewise also it was in the days of Lot they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted 
they build it. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day he which shall be upon the housetop and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. The shortest verse in the Bible based on the way the translators did it, is the verse, two words. Scripture says, Jesus wept. There may be another one somewhere else that is, is only has three words. I don't recall offhand. But at the very least, verse 32 is tied for the second shortest verse in the Bible. And Jesus simply says this, remember Lot's wife. Remember Lot's wife. If you don't really know the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, let me just give you a really, really quick summary. Lot and his family, they're not living in the city. They're living outside the city. They, they, they weren't living in the heart of the wickedness of what was going on, but that was the city that they conducted their business in. That was, that was the city that their life took place in. So God decides He's tired of all of the wickedness that's going on, and He's going to destroy the city, and, and so He's giving Lot and his family the opportunity to get out. Angels come and tell Lot what's going to happen and give him the chance to gather his family together and to make an escape from what's going to go on. And so in leaving that city, the instruction is, on your way out, don't look back. As you are, as you are being delivered from Sodom, don't look back, because if you do, it's over. So the day comes and, and they are leaving. They're departing Sodom and God's judgment begins to take place. And, and, and the thing, part of the thing is so sad here is there were cities that had people in it, Brother Whittington, that were totally unaware of what was going to happen. They didn't know judgment was coming. They, they woke up that morning not aware that today is the last day for this city. They had no idea of, of God's wrath and judgment that was about to be poured out upon them. But, but Lot and his family, it was not that way. Can you imagine how many people in that city would have loved to have been Lot's wife? To have had the chance to get out and, and yet on Lot's wife's way out of the city, there was still something tugging on her to the point that she could not resist and, but look back. The Bible says she was turned into a pillar of salt. It's a, it's a sad thing when those that, that may not know perish. It's a sad thing. You know, some, well, you know, you believe that, you know, plan of salvation is this what about the person in some remote village and somewhere in africa or whatever in the in the in the jungles of south america that's never heard the name of jesus and you know I, that's god's problem not mine 
My problem is those who've had a chance. I, I don't know. Surely at some point there was an opportunity they were exposed to because I, I just have to believe a God of, re, of, of mercy and grace. Wrath and judgment is always God's last action. Last action. God is not, God doesn't have a, a, a trigger finger that's quick to pull the trigger. If wrath and judgment come, it's because there's been a lot of grace and mercy and patience that was shown first. The scripture says, the Lord said, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked. I get no thrills out of the death of the wicked. And so, and so when, when this point comes, I have to believe somehow we may not know the specifics of it, but at some point, somewhere, there was some mercy and grace that was extended. Salvation was extended, but it wasn't a doubt. It's not a question with Lot's wife. She was aware, she was told in advance, and she was also told not to look back. Don't, don't be drawn back by what's behind you, by what you've left behind. How sad it is for us not to be able to reach a point in our walk with God that we are willing to turn away from what is behind and fully embrace what lies ahead. Paul said it like this, forgetting those things which are behind me, I press towards the mark. I press for the prize. I, I'm not torn between where I was and where I came from and where I'm going, but I'm going to forget about it and leave it all behind because I have a prize. I've got a mark. I've got a destination. Can I tell every single person in this place today, whether it's eternity or whether it's God's purpose and plan for your life, there is a mark that's in front of you that if you will make up your mind, I'm going to forget what's behind anything and everything that might be trying to pull me back and I'm going to focus on what's in front of me and I'm going to pursue the mark ahead of me I, I, there's, there's some things that I to me I say a lot and that's maybe relatively speaking but that, that every now and then seem to just come out in my teaching and preaching and one of them is I, I am so concerned with so much of the content of Christianity today. Because there's so much about it that has to do with this life. Preaching and teaching and books and seminars and all kinds of things that focus on this life and how to make a better life. I, I, I'm all about us being everything we're supposed to be in this life. I, I'm about us being good husbands and good wives and, and good business people, good employees, good employers and all those things. And all those things are important. But the Word of God is not a self-help motivational book just to try to make this life better or make this life the best it can be. It is about something that is far bigger than 50, 60, 70, 80, 90, 100 years. It's about something that's going to last forever. And many people do like Demas does, uh, Demas did. And when the Word of God and God stops making this life better, they're done. They're off to something else. They get Focused on this present world. John chapter 6 verse 66 says this. 
Jesus, Scripture says, from that time, many of His disciples, many of His disciples, many of His disciples, not, not talking about the crowd, not talking about the multitude, it's not talking about the, those that showed up just out of curiosity one day, but disciples, that means they had been around a little while. That means they had developed some degree of a relationship with him. That, that means that at some point there was some adherence to his teachings and, and, and what he told them. And, and, and so they had gone beyond just the crowd. There was a lot of crowds that showed up to hear Jesus. It's not uncommon to find in the gospel where multitudes turned out to hear what he had to say but but those were just those that came and heard and went their way because they were they were just curious but this verse says there was some disciples followers people who had been committed but it says they walked no more they went back and walked no more with him then Jesus turns to the 12 And he asks them this question, will you also go away? Other disciples have left me. Other disciples are leaving. I know you're kind of the inner circle, but will you go also? Simon Peter answered and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Lord, where, what other option is there? Even if I don't like what you're telling me, even if I don't like what you're challenging me to do, even if I don't like your teachings, what other option do I have? Realize we basically don't, there's probably a couple folks here that still do, but most of us don't use the good old phone book anymore. Use Google, we use the Yellow Pages app. (laughs) You know, in, 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 in the old days, (laughs) get out that phone book and if you needed, if your air conditioner broke, turn to the, to the heating and air conditioning section. You start calling service companies that can come look at your, your, your unit and find out what's wrong. And if you call the first place and, 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 and you know, it's, it's the middle of summer. It's one of those good old hot Maryland days and your air conditioning is broke. If you call the first company and they say, well, we, we can't get out to you till next week. What do you do? Okay, thank you, click. You call the next one until you find one that'll get there today. Or if somebody, you're using one company for something and they don't do the job you want, then you just go to the yellow pages and you find another company that hopefully will satisfy you. What do you do when God doesn't come through the way you want Him to come through? Who do you turn to? Where do you go? Well, this God, Jesus, didn't work. Let me go try this God. Of course, we don't 
normally put it in these terms, but usually the other God we turn to is me. You're not going to do it, so let me do it myself. Or trying to do it. Of course, the scary thing is there's so much in life that human strength and ability cannot do anything about. Peter says, Lord, we've, we've got no place else to go. We have no other options. I, can I ask you today, again, whether you're a member or a guest this morning, do you have options? Do you have options? Oh, I don't have options. No. Well, do, do you have a couple of alternative plans in case this one doesn't work out? I, I promise you today, I promise you today, if he hasn't yet, there will be a day God disappoints you. I have a feeling the great, great majority of people in this place, I'm not telling you something you haven't already experienced. There will be a day. There will be a day. John the Baptist stands up before a crowd one day. Don't, nobody even knows who Jesus is yet. And he stands up with confidence and boldness and declares to the crowd, the one I've been telling you about, that's him. He's here. I'm not even worthy to untie his shoes. This, this is the Messiah. He hasn't done any miracles. He hasn't taught anybody. He hasn't done anything yet. And John stands without hesitation and says, this is the one. And yet a short time later, we find John now saying to his followers, those that had been with him, go, go, go ask Jesus a question. Ask him, are you the one? There's a big difference between John standing in front of that crowd telling everybody this is the one and John now in prison trying to find out, trying to settle in his mind, did, did I miss it? Did I get it wrong? And so he's asking his disciples to go ask Jesus, what was the difference between John standing in front of the crowd that day and declaring this is the Lamb of God and John who is now in prison wanting to ask if he's the one? Tell you what's different is the circumstances John had faced and the, the things that John had went through. Cause I'm quite sure, I know if I was John, I wouldn't have expected after this to be here. I would not have expected after doing my job of proclaiming him to now end up in prison. John understood I'm not the one, the one, the, the real one's coming after me. I'm only the one here. I'm just the opening act. But you see, I, I kind of imagine, again, if it was me, i thought about this a lot, if it was me, I, I would have been okay and understood I'm not the one, I'm just preparing the way for the one. But when the one gets here, I'm preparing the way for, I will become his right-hand man. I'll be the one that leads prayer, pre-service prayer, and, and helps with worship, and then introduces him to preach. But I'll have a place. 
But what John had no idea was that's not the way it was going to go. And once you've done your job, John, thanks for doing your job, but now you're going to end up over here. It's one thing to have faith in him, as I said at the beginning. It's another thing when things have gone contrary to what you hope and desire and dream to still be able to say in prison, he is the Lamb of God. The same one I said he was then is the same one he is now. We got nowhere else to go, Jesus. I'm glad I know today, and by God's grace, I will live the rest of my life based on this. I've got no place else to go. I I made up my mind a long time ago. It doesn't matter what you say about me. Doesn't matter what you think about me. Doesn't matter how you treat me. I'm not going anywhere. I don't mean that as senior pastor. I mean that just simply as a saint. This isn't a club that I joined. This isn't just some social group that I decided to be a part of. This isn't just some clique I wanted to be in. I'm sorry, but I was born in this. I don't mean literally. I mean figuratively born again. I was, I was placed in this by birth. By being born again. And so I'm not going anywhere. This is where I belong. And it doesn't matter how many people act like they lost their mind and what they do. That there's no place else to go. Not here to be unkind. I'm preaching to some people this morning. You're considering your options. I'm preaching to some folks today. You're considering your options. And I'm not preaching this in the context of Antioch, the apostolic church. As I've said many times and will continue to say, Antioch, the apostolic church is not the church. It's not the only church. It's not that by, by God's grace, we are a part of the church. If we're not, Lord, please let us know right now. It's not the church, just a part of the church. So I'm not talking about this church exactly. But some of you are considering other options in other places because there's some things you just don't like the way they've gone. You just don't like the way they're going. Something needs to rise up inside of you like rose up inside of Peter and say, I've got no place else to go. There is no better option. There is no other thing to turn to. You alone have the words of eternal life. You're the one. You're the only one. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 16, my last passage. Paul says this, For if the dead rise not, then is not Christ raised. And if Christ be not raised, your faith is vain. You are yet in your sins. Then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. If Christ didn't rise again, then those that have fallen asleep or have died in Christ, then then they're done. That's it. Then he says this, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. If the basis of my hope in Christ is this life and what he can do in this life, we are of all men most miserable. I know there are many here today that are much older than I am 
And so to you, my next point will be probably a bit humorous because you can say even more, uh, even older years than I have, but I, I cannot comprehend the fact that I am 43. And, and I've talked to people much older than I am that, that laugh at that because you feel the same way and you're twice my age. I, 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 can't, I can't comprehend that 43 years of my life is gone. I, I, I'm struggling to process the fact that my eldest child is 18 years old. Where, where did it go? Anybody had the chance to go on vacation this summer already? Anybody go on vacation? A couple of you? Anybody besides me went on vacation this summer and it's, where was it? Gone. Over. Don't blink. You'll be back home. <laughs> I used to think summer was supposed to be the enjoying, relaxing time of the year. Summer has gotten to be the busiest time of year. Where, where's it gone? Life is just a vapor. I, 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 I am struggling to process that my father, my father, my father is about to be 70. That's a grandfather. Duh, he is one. But I, I, what I mean by that is in my mind, a 70-year-old is my grandfather's age. Not, not, that, not my, where has it gone? I wonder if that's part of the context of what Paul is saying. If all you've got hope for is in this life and what Christ can do in this life, you're, you're miserable. Because even if He does make this life better, it's here today and it's gone tomorrow. If all you've got hope for is Him to bless you in this life, that's, that's misery. Got to be beyond that. The Message Bible says it this way. If corpses can't be raised, then Christ wasn't. Because He was indeed dead. And if Christ weren't raised, then all you're doing is wandering about in the dark as lost as ever. It's even worse for those who died hoping in Christ than resurrection because they're already in their graves. If all we get out of Christ is a little inspiration for a few short years... We're a pretty sorry lot. If all we get out of Christ is a little inspiration for a few short years, we're a pretty sorry lot. But the truth is that Christ has been raised up, the first in a long legacy of those who are going to leave the cemetery not about here. It's not about now. It's not about this temporal dimension that I'm in. It's something beyond that. So God, by your grace, don't let me ever reach the point that I get distracted by that fact and get my eyes back on what is temporal and, and be drawn by what is temporary. The Bible says of Jesus himself, 
He endured the cross because there was joy set before him. Thought a lot lately about some of you precious saints of God. And knowing some of you and the things you have been through during your walk with God. Great heartache and pain, sorrow, loss, sickness, challenges. And to watch some of you knowing all of that, knowing a good bit of your story, to watch you week after week after week walk into this sanctuary and lift your hands to the Lord and sometimes watch you dance and shout and tears roll down your face. What an absolute testimony it is to the fact that it is possible not to get distracted by this present world and the way things have gone in your life. Sister Trish, come please. Hebrews chapter 11. This is not a theological term, but one we understand. It is often thought of or referred to as faith's hall of fame. If you read the majority of the chapter of Hebrews 11, first probably two-thirds or so of it, it names various people, men and women, and what they accomplished through faith. The things that they were able to experience and do through faith. Abraham and Sarah and Noah and Enoch and Moses and others. Then there's a couple others it refers to that that did some great things as well. It doesn't list every one of their names, but but it, it refers to what they did and you know who they are. And, and there's there's really probably not a one of us that wouldn't love to have our name in there. To be a part of what they did through faith. But then, then as you read down, all of a sudden it changes. And after listing names and listing things of people you could easily recognize who it's referring to, the writer says, and others. And it, it says that they were they, they, they endured cruel mockings and some were sawn asunder and lost lives and, 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 and it's like it, it, you know what it's kind of like that fine print there's probably a few of you OCD maybe that's the I don't know what term it would be there's probably a few of you you read every single line of every document then there's a bunch of us we just walk by faith Okay. It's, 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 it's as if the writer just said, you need to know this. You're not really going to want to know this. This isn't going to appeal to you like the rest of it did. But just like they did all of these great things through faith, they all did these things, went through these things through faith see sometimes we 
we assume because somebody's going through a valley or struggle or problem, they must have a lack of faith. Because somebody's circumstances aren't changing because God is... I've talked to people, especially in marriage situations, I've talked to, to where one spouse is telling me that, that, that you know, the, the marriage is, is, is falling apart. But one, one spouse is, will tell me, you know, I believe God can do... I'm holding on. I believe God can do anything. That's really great, except there are some things God can't do. One of those things is God cannot violate human will. So as much as you believe what God can do, that does not mean He is going to control your spouse and make them line up to what they need to do. Is that a lack of faith on one person's part? No. Some, from a natural perspective, are privileged to experience the healings and the signs and the wonders and the miracles and then some are in a category of others who endure a lot of difficult, challenging situations and hardships in their life and yet make it through those things through faith. Faith isn't just about some kind of magical formula to get what I want. may have said it here one of the last times I preached I don't remember but I've said it a lot on Sunday mornings in my travels there is no such thing as an unanswered prayer if I were to ask the question this morning before my last statement how many of you have unanswered prayers some of you would raise your hand the reason we say we have unanswered prayers is usually because God has yet to do what we are asking Him to do. Therefore, it's an unanswered prayer. The challenge we have is no is just as much an answer to prayer. And so therefore, if we've asked and asked and He hasn't done, it's not an unanswered prayer. He's answered. he's answered that way because everything works together for my good. You're obviously in church this morning. Again, whatever category, whatever you may fall into, come all the time, first time, come sometimes, you're here. which says to me there's some degree some degree of faith in God some degree perhaps of a relationship it may be a very very new relationship but some degree of a relationship to others of you who have been around literally for decades I believe the Holy Ghost has sent me this morning to challenge you not allow yourself to get distracted and diverted by what is temporal and quickly fades and passes away. But somehow to be able to do like Peter and the other disciples did and make up their minds, we may not 
like what you're saying. We might not like what you're telling us to do, but you alone have the words of eternal life and the words that we need. I want you, if you would, to close your eyes, bow your heads for a moment, if you would, please. I believe if, even if it's just one person, I don't think it's just one, but if it's just one person, believe the Spirit of the Lord is talking to somebody here today. And as eyes hopefully are closed, if nothing else, out of respect of those around you, I want to open this altar right now. Again, whether it's your first time or you come regularly. To those that would be willing this morning to make a fresh new commitment to the Lord. And I'm going to keep my eyes fixed on you I'm not going to allow the pull the influences of this present world to distract me to draw me back from what it is you've called me to and what it is I've been pursuing I'm not, I'm not going to allow the disappointments that take place in my walk with you and the times, God, that you may not do what it is I'm asking you to do and you may not answer the prayers the way I'm praying them and you may not work things out the way I'm hoping that even through all of those moments I'm going to continue to trust who you are and what you are and going to continue to pursue you and go after you. God, I pray you would help us today. You said in your word that you understand the frame that we are made with, the dust we are made from. You are not disconnected from our weaknesses, our tendencies, God. You understand us. So therefore, you know the challenge of our nature, our humanity to be drawn to what is temporal, to be pulled by what comes and goes so quickly by your grace God I ask you to help us today help us today God to be committed to be dedicated to you to what is eternal not to what comes and goes in this life not to what fades away but to what will last forever in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Don't let the basis of my hope in you be about what you will do for me in this life. Don't let the focus of my hope in you be about what you will do to better my natural life. But let me stay focused that your purpose is my eternity. The light affliction that I'm going through is for an eternal weight of glory. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Far above all else, I must be saved. Oh.
Join us in singing this as your prayer. Far above all else, I must be saved. Far above all else, I must be saved. do to me don't let me be lost for eternity far above all else I must be saved oh far above all Don't let me be lost for eternity. Far above all else, I must be saved. Oh, far above all else, I must. me don't let me be lost for eternity far above all else I must be saved oh far above all else I Oh, uh-huh. 
to do to me don't let me be lost for eternity far above all else we're going to keep singing but if you need to go if you want to go you're welcome to do so but I believe the Holy Ghost is still touching some hearts and ministering to some people Hallelujah, I must be saved, oh, far above all else, I must be do to me don't let me be lost for eternity far above all else I must be saved oh far above all else I must be saved Far above all else I must be saved So whatever you have to do to me, don't let me be lost for eternity, far above all else, I must be saved, far above all else, I must be saved far above all else I must be saved so whatever you have to do to me don't let me be lost for eternity, far above all else, I must be saved.